Today we'll dive into a couple of topics that might as well be at home at The Future Photography. There's a new mini assignment and Daniel wonders about editing photos while on the go without having to rely on a tiny display. This is Tips from the Top Floor episode 822 for October the 10th, 2019. Hey, hello and welcome. This is Chris Marquardt. You're listening to Tips from the Top Floor. What's up? Are you guys following the news? Uh, <laughs> I'm not talking politics here, right? It's photography. Um, yeah, I, I do follow I do follow the news. Yeah, I would, I would be lying if I said I wouldn't. I actually read a whole bunch of photography blogs and, and scrape the news and... Um, I would actually say I'm a bit of a news junkie when it comes to that. Um, but yeah, very often photography news kind of bores me. There's incremental updates to cameras and things like that. Uh, every now and then a new camera comes out that I go, ooh, like Sigma FP, for example. I've talked about that here before. Um, but, but yeah, some, some interesting developments uh, that I've seen over the last few days uh, that I think are worth at least mentioning here. And one is, um, without having read too much detail about it, but uh, reach researchers have apparently developed a lens that is a thousand times thinner than regular optics. A thousand times thinner and a hundred times lighter than regular optics. It's something they do this with some nanostructures. And um, the interesting thing, that well, the thing I find interesting here is something that uh, I've, I've read these kind of stories a while ago. If you listen to The Future of Photography, the other podcast that I do with Adrian and Imar and Jeremiah, then uh, you will have heard me talk about that. But in the past, it was more like, yeah, we can do it, but only on one wavelength or only within a limited scope. Now, these researchers claim that this one would work over all wavelengths. So I don't know. I mean, it's in, it's interesting, right? I mean, just imagine you'd have a, a lens. Now, now with sensors getting bigger, I find this an interesting development if it really turns into any products anytime soon because the sensors are getting bigger and that would dictate heavier lenses. So... All those wonderful gains from mirrorless cameras aren't that big because you are still carrying around a lot of glass and uh, just reducing that to something that's 100 times lighter. Huh. <laughs> and tiny, thin pancake, literally pancake lenses. So let's wait and see when the first product will come out of that. Um, again, I haven't really looked that deeply into it, but I found it interesting. Worth mentioning here. Uh, the other one is a report that I read on uh, on Petapixel. And I think the original source was from Image Sensor World. And it's, uh, it's some information that accidentally, apparently accidentally slipped out early, like a few weeks early in an, in, in a, in an announcement that shouldn't be out or something, um, before an industry meeting. And it seems that Sony is working on a new sensor, which wouldn't be surprising, right? Sony, the king of sensors, 
Um, but this one, I this one made me. Um, this this one got me interested because apparently that is a sensor that is not a grid sensor. And if you look at a sensor, every sensor today, apart from a few exceptions, is 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 laid out in, in, in a uh, so-called Bayer area in a grid where the red, green, and blue pixels they are uh, side by side. And then there's a, a digital process after you took the picture. It's called demosaicing to turn that into an actual picture, and that introduces uh, several problems. But but that sensor is supposed to be a layered sensor. A bit like film. So the colors are stacked on top of each other. So each, each layer has full resolution. And there's no need to uh, demosaic the photos. This would work, yeah, very similar to film, which is also layered. I mean, the, plenty more layers on film typically. But yeah, interesting. And yes, of course, I guess I hear you shout, don't write me, don't write me. This sounds very much like Sigma's uh, Foveon sensor, which works by the same principle, where you have red, green, and blue being layered instead of uh, spread out side by side in the Bayer area. And, and I find that interesting because I thought that the Foveon style sensor was kind of on the way out. I've, I expected it to not have much future. I mean, just look at look at Sigma's FP camera, that which is uh, which. Uh, by the way, <laughs> let me get sidetracked here for a second. Which was just announced. Uh, the price was just announced at nineteen hundred dollars, less than I thought it would be. Um, still trying to get one to test here, and. Yeah, and which, which, to the surprise of many, won't have a Foveon sensor. Sigma, home of the Foveon sensor, but they decided to put a bear array in there uh, for various reasons, and they explained it well, so um, I can understand why they're doing this. But I'm really curious about where Sony will take this, or if they'll take it anywhere at all. It might just be a research project that won't amount to much up... I don't know. We'll see when the official sessions are out. I'm pretty sure this will get some more news when it uh, is is fully out there. So yeah, interesting stuff going on on the technical side. Um, not in the news, but it should be, I think, is that we just recorded the 100th episode of The Future of Photography. Adrian, Imar, Jeremiah, and myself. And that will be out on uh, this Wednesday. And, oh, on a totally different note, Matt, our release pixie, has a birthday this weekend. So happy birthday, Matt, and thanks for all you do. And many of you might not even know what Matt does. <laughs> Outside of, well, you will certainly know him from giving you all uh, the Slack challenge every other month. But Matt has been with the show for almost from the, almost from the start. And he's been a really important part of it because he does something that has that 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 is really important for every single episode and uh, that's the task of releasing that episode into the wild so you can listen so whenever i'm done recording and processing i will uh, send a note to matt letting him know that i'm finished and then he takes over doing some magic with the metadata and he puts it into the feed and uh, but he's got this week off because it's his birthday so it's my job to release the show and i 
I haven't done this in ages. So I think I still know how to do it, but we'll see. Well, if you're listening to this, it means that the show has been released. So again, Matt, happy birthday. I'm glad you're helping. So thanks for everything. Thank you. <clears throat> okay. Uh, it's okay. I'm, I'm, I'm renaming the let's all take a photo into the mini assignment because I want to make this into a little assignment. Uh, I've just had a quick look on the usual suspects in terms of social media. Thanks, John, Dilworth, Bernie, Ole, Christian Walle, Force the Line, and a name is just a name. <laughs> the usernames on Instagram are always very colorful. Uh, but thanks all for posting your photos online. And the, the hashtag, of course, is still TFTTF now. And you uh, kind of know the drill. If it's safe for you to do so, I want you to take whatever camera you have, whatever camera you have right now, and spend five minutes to take a photo. And, and this time, again, I want to mix this up a bit. I'll give you a mini assignment. And here is your mini assignment. Look around for interesting light. I mean, this could this could be like coming through a window in an interesting way, or is light shining through something transparent in an interesting way, or is that changing the color of the light, or is there, I don't know, somewhere near you, is there somewhere that has an interesting play with shadow and light? Interesting light. I want you to go and take that photo right now, I'll be here waiting for you. And we're back. So, did you find interesting light? Let us all see what you found. Post your photo on the social media of your choice. Uh, I Personally, I will typically have a look on Twitter, on Instagram and on Facebook. And uh, I have taken one myself and I've already uploaded that so it's your turn now upload with the hashtag TFTTF now and uh, I don't know maybe add the hashtag mini assignment to it as well so we can all find each other's photos I can't wait to see your photos Let me thank this week's sponsor, Masterclass. Masterclass lets you learn from the best with exclusive access to online classes taught by masters of their craft. You can learn about creativity and film from David Lynch or acting from Samuel L. Jackson. It's a really good collection of amazingly well-produced classes. And of course, there's also things specific to photography, but I love how it goes far beyond that. And with over 60 different instructors across tons of categories, there's literally something for everyone. The Masterclass app is accessible on your phone, web or Apple TV and each class is broken out into individual video lessons and downloadable materials which you can explore at your own pace. Make sure to check it out. Get unlimited access to every Masterclass and as a listener you get 15% off the annual All Access Pass. Go to masterclass.com slash topfloor. That's masterclass.com slash topfloor for 15% off Masterclass. Hi Chris, this is Daniel Hertrich from Munching, Germany. Um, listening to one of the last episodes of uh, The Future of Photography, I got an idea and I wanted to ask you if you know of uh, a certain kind of product to be existent or to be available. 
I thought manipulation of photos on the road, in the train, wherever, would be fun uh, with not having a big laptop with me, but a really small one. Uh, have a look at the One Mix 3S, for example, a 9-inch laptop, which is quite powerful. Uh, but the screen is very small. Um, so I thought, why not uh, connect like an external display actually a VR headset a VR headset or uh, yeah, kind of a VR headset uh, not really VR but you just see uh, the contents of the display in there uh, you see it very large like uh, if you would sit in front of a 30-40 inch uh, display um, ideally you can switch something to see your surrounding, the real world, um, but maybe not. <clears throat> um, so you don't have to carry a huge uh, display with you. Do you know of anything like this which can be attached to the HDMI port, for example? Um, if so, I would be very interested to hear from that and um, to know how to get that. Thank you, Chris. Keep up the good work. I'm always listening to your episodes and it always inspires me. Thank you for that. Bye-bye. Thank you so much, Daniel. Um, editing on the go with a small laptop and a VR headset. That's an interesting prospect. That is a really, really interesting idea. Um, and it would have some pros. I mean, you'd really have any size screen that you like and any number of screens. That's what the virtual thing is, right? You could... Just use several screens. Now, there are also some cons that I could think of. Uh, if PC-based VR, and that's what we're talking about, uh, kind of requires a beefy PC, maybe. Uh, kind of a, a good and powerful PC. The headsets are still kind of bulky. And then what I find problematic or potentially problematic is that you're either in VR or in the real world, but not both. And at the moment you don't have that sense of your environment anymore, like the vision of your surroundings, you can't see your surroundings, you will notice uh, what you typically use that for. I mean, just imagine you're, you're sitting on a train um, which here in Germany is uh, is quite usual. And uh, you wouldn't notice when the conductor comes or if someone stole your wallet or stuff, your bag, or you wouldn't notice any danger coming up. I mean, now, of course, when you edit photos, that's only partially true because you could leave your audio channel open. You could you didn't need to wear head headphones or something. But yeah, um, now, now here's a, here's a solution. Um, with all that aside, uh, even though I haven't really heard from anyone who has been using it this way, uh, what I'm talking about is uh, a headset that I own. Um, it's called the Oculus Quest. It is wireless. It's fully self-contained, so it doesn't need any... You know, the, the the older PC VR headsets used to have... Like, you'd have to have a special room with so-called lighthouses, little beacons in the corners that would help you tracking this is all slowly becoming a part of the past so this uh, this oculus quest is fully self-contained it doesn't need that 
Um, and it's priced under 500 euros, which uh, I find in interesting and good. And uh, if you combine that with a product called Virtual Desktop, you might you might be very close to what you want. At least, uh, let's say you might be part of the way to what you want because uh, Virtual Desktop, the software will take your PC desktop and show it to you in VR. And it... Uh, does work with the Oculus Quest. Now, <laughs> of course, it's not that easy, right? There are some caveats uh, regarding virtual desktop because right now that is Windows only. They claim they are working on a Mac version, but they don't have an ETA for that. Uh, all they're saying is later this year, so that could mean anything. Um, also, right now, at this point, that's a wireless connection. So you... And, and there's a lot of data that needs to be pumped through that connection. So you will need to be on a fast 5 gigahertz AC Wi-Fi with both the PC and the headset. And m mobile, this is not impossible if you're mobile, but you'd have to carry like an extra router with you that you power on the go and that kind of stuff. Um, there is, uh, they, they are working on a, on a direct connection to be able to play PC VR games using a special USB-C connection, but that's not there yet, but they're working on, on upgrading the, the Quest to allow that. So that might be another way to do it in the future. And uh, I'm not sure what the GPU requirements are for the PC to drive this. I don't know if your small laptop is good enough for that i have no idea so that's a very good question um and last but not least i, I was trying to put myself into that situation because i mean there are things the, the oculus quest is not just there for games there are creative things that you can do like um like 3d painting in a virtual space and that works really well with the with the controllers that you get with the quest which are like two little handheld devices with multiple buttons. And I think those, you would have to use those to edit your photos, not your mouse, no, no trackpad. Um, and I, I like the controllers for gaming and for these kind of uh, creative experiences. They map really well. Um, and the virtual desktop has mapped the controller buttons to like mouse keys, but uh, I've no idea how well that would lend itself to photo editing. So that's an open question for me. Oh, and here's one more thing that I think is really important, and that's the screen resolution in VR at this point. Uh, the Oculus Quest, uh, by the way, there are plenty more. That's only the currently, I'd say, the most affordable one, and it's the only all-in-one self-contained solution. That's why I'm, why, I'm, <laughs> why I'm so happy with it. But the, the Quest has has a... Resolution of 2,880 by 1,600, which is shared between both eyes. So that results in 1,600 by 1,440 pixels per eye. And that is enough for like immerse, immersion uh, in, in games and VR experiences. But I don't think it's a lot if you come from, let's say, like a 4K or a 5K desktop. You will definitely notice the lack of resolution with these kind of things. So that's definitely a caveat there. And last but not least, um, there's also the comfort factor. Because, I mean, let's face it, you will feel a VR headset. It's not weightless. 
and depending on the strap system and depending on your your anatomy it might be more or less comfortable um the the oculus quest is yeah it's okay it's not the best but it's also not the worst i'd say it's somewhere in the middle when it comes to comfort um but i wouldn't want to wear it longer than i don't know an hour or one and a half hours in one sitting but then that's just me i mean and that's that's me and my face that this thing interfaces with so your mileage might vary here now again with your visual sense locked out in vr um there is another potential route that will be different and i'm talking about ar augmented reality or some call it mixed reality which is where you have a digital overlay over the real world so you can see your surroundings and then you have this digital component which might be a a screen a browser a window of an application or something Um, and there are products out right now that might make this possible um, that might make it possible for you to participate in the world while editing photos on the virtual screen and that would be the, the two things that come to mind right now are Microsoft's uh, HoloLens or the headset by Magic Leap. Now, the HoloLens is around three and a half thousand US dollars right now. The Magic Leap, uh, I think it clocks in at a two, two and a half, uh, under, under two and a half thousand US dollars, but definitely not cheap. So, um, yeah, that's probably a factor. And also with augmented reality, uh, field of view is an issue. VR tends to be better in that respect. The HoloLens in its current version, number two, or the one that's just about to come out, I'm not sure where they are right now. Um, I've read that that has a diagonal field of view of 52 degrees, which is definitely noticeable. Magic Leap has about 50 degrees diagonally. So you will see the world in front of you and in the middle there's this like a window into the augmented part. So it doesn't cover your entire field of view. And uh, and from what I've heard, that can be distracting. So depending on uh, on how close you are to the content, um, that might be an issue, right? Now, in contrast, again, the field of view of current VR headsets is typically bigger. Yes, definitely bigger. And while they... They also don't cover your entire field of view or the entire field of view of a human. Um, I f- think at least the quest is sufficient for now. I mean, yes, it, it could always be more, but um, it doesn't feel like... It's not too much tunnel vision. Now, there are also, and of course, a few other issues with VR and AR um, that I might see in that are color calibration which the Quest can't do. Uh, color fidelity, I have no idea how good the display is. It's an OLED display, but I have no idea how good that is. Uh, brightness settings, contrast settings. The the uh, the Quest doesn't have any of that. It gives you a picture. And it's, it's a decent picture, but it is not a picture that you can influence. So um, I wouldn't count on it to be color accurate. Now, again, I'm not sure what the other models allow but the quest which is the only one i really have plenty of first-hand experience with uh, that doesn't allow calibration or even like a brightness adjustment so i'm not sure how well 
VR or AR in their current state are suited to photo editing. But um, yeah, I, I guess for now, if you want to edit photos on the go, <laughs> a screen would probably still be the best option for you, maybe a bigger tablet. Uh, but let's revisit that question again. Remind me in, I don't know, five years from now, okay? Here, put this in your calendar. Remind me in five years from now, because I have the suspicion that in five years, things might look a bit different. And that was it for this week. Thank you so much for being, well, <laughs> for being here, for being subscribed. And uh, yeah, another episode in the can. Bit more on the techie side today, but hey, I'm a nerd. What can I say? I'll have to cut this episode a slight little bit short today. Sorry, patrons, no list today. But yeah, thanks everyone for supporting the show and thanks to Masterclass for sponsoring this episode. And of course, as always, if you like this episode, you can buy me a coffee at tfttf.com slash coffee or support this show on Patreon, tfttf.com slash Patreon. Music for the show by Jeff Smith, sound partner Hans-Peter Kagerud. <laughs> I know, wrong, but let me rewind that. HP Kagerud, publishing and Slack challenges by Release Pixie Madras, Star Arms and Slack invitations by Chief Invitation Officer, CIO Rusty Russ. The link to get on the Slack is in the show notes. And I told you that you My name is Chris Marquardt. You'll find me on social media. Go out and take amazing photos. Share them with the world. Be nice to each other. And happy shooting. <laughs>